Welcome to the Pirates Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Osterwick. In this series we like to call The Coaching Carousel, we will sit down with the Seton Hall coaches and talk to them about previous playing careers, coaching philosophies, and so much more. They offer so much advice to current and future Seton Hall athletes. We're so excited to share it with you all today. Without further ado, Jonathan, who are we talking to today? In this edition of The Coaching Carousel, we have Coach Rob Shepard on, better known as Coach Shep. He is your head coach for the historic baseball program here at Seton Hall. An SHU baseball alumni himself, he was an assistant to the former head coach, his father, Mike Shepard Sr., before taking over the head coaching job in 2004. Coach Shep, during his playing days, helped Seton Hall to four Big East tournament appearances while serving as one of the captains during his senior year, where he ranked fifth on the team in hitting and led the squad in sacrifice bunts with 15. Shepard concluded his collegiate career with a 278 batting average, 130 hits, and 58 RBI, and 158 games played as a Pirate. As a coach, Coach Shep won ABCA East Region Coach of the Year and NJCBA Division I Coach of the Year honors, and just this last season, Coach Shep achieved an extraordinary feat, winning his 500th career game as a head coach. Coach Shep got to talk to us about his time at Seton Hall as a whole, coaching in all aspects, recruiting, and what makes the Seton Hall baseball program so special. It was a great conversation with Coach Shep, and we were excited to share with all of our listeners. So without further ado, Coach Rob Shepard. So here we go, episode number, I don't even know, of the coaching carousel. We're <laughs> excited to have Coach Rob Shepard of the Seton Hall men's baseball uh, team on the show. So first things first, on this cooler December day, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, gentlemen. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come in and speak to a Big East champion <laughs> and a Big East uh, second team, all you know, all Big East performer. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Yes, we're excited for you to be on with us today. So, what did the fall season look like for your team, and uh, what were some of the things that you guys focused on? Yeah, it was a great fall. You know, I, I know in this new environment with athletics. You have a lot of new bodies uh, trying to get the freshmen acclimated to, to college life, what it is, what it's like to get used to the, the schedule with classes and training and baseball, and then also incorporating uh, some transfers. Mm -hmm. uh, and each year having different groups come in and have returners and trying to get them all together on the same page is, is always a challenge. Um, but this year was, it was uh, I think it was – very very well received on by everybody um, we were fortunate to have a really good class of uh, graduate students on our own uh, that decided to come back for a fifth year which makes that transition a lot easier and um, guys were hungry and they worked really hard so it, the I thought it was a very productive and very good fall yeah I definitely got to see that in the weight room we guys we meshed this year in the weight room Monday and Wednesday got to see you guys lift you guys are coming in as we were leaving. So that work was definitely seen in the afternoons on Monday and uh, Wednesday. So what are some of the things that you're looking forward to this upcoming spring semester? Yeah, I think we're always excited to, to get on the field and compete. The fall is great. The You're always competing amongst yourselves. So to measure yourself against an outside opponent is always the, the best way to, to evaluate your team. But also, that's what you're here for. You're here for that competitive spirit. So Looking forward to having a really uh, challenging spring with a, a really good um, out-of-conference schedule. Um, and then obviously that which will prepare us for our conference play 
coming in in mid uh, mid April. Mm-hmm. I told I told Coach Churchill earlier today. I'm like, I cannot wait for baseball softball season because that's when I finish up swimming and I get to cover you guys a lot more. So I get to be in the booth, do play by play, do some color, and I really get to see see you guys and watch you guys play so much. So it's like one of the most exciting times for me to watch you play on the field and then you also coach during the season. So I'm excited for the spring coming up. So let's get into what got you into coaching to begin with. So I, I, I was always around this campus. I basically was born two blocks from here. And uh, my dad was the head coach for 30, 32 years. And um, I just always been around it. And when I came to here, I was pretty fortunate to to come here and and play here as well. I graduated with a degree in finance. And in the early 90s, uh, everybody wanted to get into Wall Street and make money and things like that. So I had an opportunity to work for um, Dean Witter Reynolds, which was a stock firm at that time. And then I had an opportunity to work for um, um, Drizzo's Investments. So it was a small, small bond company. So I had an opportunity to do that. And as I was sitting in the office, similar to what you were just describing as, you know, going outside and seeing games, I'd be sitting in my office. And at 3 o'clock, 2 o'clock, I'd look at the window and I'm like, I'd rather be somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know if I can sit in this building. Here. And, you know, work would go on until 6 o'clock and then, I had the opportunity to, to kind of, I, I had all my, I had my Series 7, my 63, everything I needed to do trading and stuff. And I said, you know what, I'm going to take an opportunity to go back to graduate school. So I said, I, I want to get back into school, baseball. So I had the opportunity to come back as a graduate student, and I was a volunteer assistant. And as time went on, uh, the assistant job opened up, and I was very fortunate to do it. Uh, the reason why I did it, it's a, it, there's a couple of things. One is I just loved the game so much I had a passion for it, and having the ability to get back into it, uh, I had to jump at the opportunity. But having a dad, your, your dad as the coach, um, I was always around alumni. And, you know, and then when I was a younger guy, I didn't really appreciate it. But as I got older, some of the alums would come back and they would say, hey, you know, you, we never realized how much of an impact your dad had. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's, that's what I like to do. I, to me, coaching is, is kind of having a positive impact on, on people, not only from a baseball standpoint and helping them develop, but understanding that it's just bigger than the game. And, and seeing that uh, from my dad um, is better than any – or seeing – People appreciate what my dad did as a, as a coach and as a teacher. Um, to me, it was be- better than any paycheck that I could have gotten. So, having the ability to to share an uh, experience with with players and helping them develop in a positive way was was the thing that drew me in. And I was really fortunate uh, to have the ability to come back as a graduate student, a graduate uh, coach, and then eventually being. The assistant to the head coach. Now, it's what, I mean, we'll get more into this later on, but it's what makes Seton Hall baseball really special, the relationships that we have with one another and the mm-hmm. coaching staff. And then also, when we were talking about this earlier on in my exit meeting, the alumni, like the, the fact that the alumni are so involved with the baseball program or coming back, offering advice, coming to games and all that, coming to like the first pitch dinner, it's really cool to see that. And 
I don't think I appreciated it as much early on in my career, but now coming back, really seeing like these guys like really care about the program. They really like cultivated all the time they could here and really took advantage of it and formed really good relationships with one another. And they, that's why they always come back and support the program. So it's really cool to see that. It's a family feel, you know. It really is. I I know players when I was younger. My two brothers played here. My brother-in-law played here. My cousins played here. So. <laughs> Not only as an immediate family, but guys that are an extension of the family. And guys really take a, a, a lot of pride in the tradition at the, in the program and in the university. Um, they, they give back in a number of ways. And um, really fortunate, you know, John and I are really fortunate to be caretakers of the program because mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously bigger than our current team and, and in the future. But it's, it's something that spans a, a great amount of um, – history here at the university and we're really proud to be part of it yeah it's really cool that you have us do the the pirate pride challenge as well like honoring like an alumni from the past uh we're, we're for reference for other teams that don't know like we're broken up once we get into our individual teams broken into four individual groups and each group has a name of an alumni mm-hmm. and uh we get to have the opportunity to call that alumni learn more about their time here That's what awesome. they're doing now and it gives you an appreciation for what they did here and just an appreciation for how they really love the program. And obviously it's a good time to just compete against other groups and whatnot in the, in the end of the fall. But it's a cool thing that I don't think many other schools really do. And uh, I think for our sake, like to see alumni really yeah. like, have a lot of passion for, for the school and the baseball program in particular is pretty cool. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And you got to speak to one of those alumni, John Morris, who mm-hmm. came back earlier. Right. Uh, what was that, two weeks ago now? Time flies. Like, yeah, no, yeah. So what was that like as a, as a coach seeing him come back to campus? I know you invited him quite a bit back to campus yeah. to talk to the guys. So what was that experience like as a coach just watching him talk to your guys this year? Yeah, it was, you know, John has always been a big part of our, our program. Um, we always have a number of, of alums come back. But John is um, a guy that's always, you know, he's a, he's a, re, a frequent uh, visitor of our program. And, and John, uh, in his own right, was one of the greatest players that ever put on a, a Seton Hall uh, Pirate baseball uniform. Um, and having his insight and from an experience from a player, but also as a professional player, and now someone who works in uh, Major League Baseball in the front office, giving some perspective for, for our guys I thought was very valuable. Um, and and I, I think kind of to what John said earlier, when guys come back and they express their care and love and, and um, concern of the program and, and guys' development, it definitely creates more of a, a synergistic feeling for our guys to really want to compete. And it's, it's just bigger than just us uh, who are currently wearing a uniform. We realize the tradition. Mm-hmm. tradition of the program yeah that is for sure so what were some of the things that you learned from your dad being the head coach as an assistant that now you implement as yeah. the head coach now I mean one of the things he always said was never lose your hustle and that was something that his father told him and and the way we talk about losing hustle it's not more of a, a physical thing it's more of a um, a frame of mind you know you want to be great at everything you want to be excellent at everything so you're always working to be better at whatever you put your name on. So it would be academically, off the field, socially, uh, whatever your religious preferences, family, and obviously in baseball and, and the university. So he always instilled in us to give our best effort, um, to give your genuine effort. 
And to, to, to the one thing is always have the discipline and, and have your, you know, accountability to do, to do uh, your best. And if you didn't, you owned up to it and you did whatever you could to become the best you possibly can be. Um, and that's something that we, we try to instill in our players. Work ethic, you know, we, we recruit work ethic. We, we know in the recruiting process we always look for guys that are self-motivated, guys that are always uh, working hard to get better, whether it be in the classroom or on the field. Um, but that's a big thing for us is having the ability to, to work hard, uh, to put the time in, and, and to care for one another. Um, I think that was one of the biggest things that uh, my dad, Shep, used to, to tell us is um, you are your brother's keeper, and you know what one guy's success is kind of bleeds into the next guy. And, and we, we really try to um, incorporate that on a daily basis. Yeah, we definitely see that every day. Whenever we get a chance to see you got the baseball guys down the the weight room, definitely see that. Never lose your hustle mentality. So do you have a most memorable game as a coach here at Seton Hall? I have a few. I think that the Big East tournament, obviously, the, the Big East tournament wins um, were big. I, I think one of the biggest ones for me, um, just if I had to break them down, was our regional in 2011. We were at the Texas A&M Regional, and we were the three seed, and we get to play Arizona, who was the two seed, and uh, we had a really good team. You know, I think uh, Coach Papaccio, Coach Giuseppe Papaccio was on that team and a, a number of other guys, and one of our players' uh, name was John Prozinski, who happened to be one of the names mm -hmm. of our Pirate Pride Challenge this fall. Uh, was on the mound, and he threw a complete game shutout in a, in a regional against wow. a ranked team um, in Texas A&M. And when I say Texas A&M, um, they're known for the 12th man for, mm -hmm. for football and everything else, but their baseball stadium has an upper deck. So, it's not, you know, it's, it's gigantic. Whoa. And the way the fans were, just that experience for our guys having the success – Winning, beating a team like Arizona that's been historically a, a really big, powerful team in, the, in baseball um, in that atmosphere uh, was tremendous. So it was one of the most memorable games that we had. Yeah, that is for sure. So before, prior to going to that regional, you got to win Big East championships that year in 2011. Yep, we won so that. what was that experience like? That was great. I mean, we were in Clearwater. Um, that was a great experience. Uh, Again, we were. I think we may have been. We may have been the seventh seed. I know we were. We were down, um, but we played really, really well. Um, and I think you know, as a, as a competitive athlete, as a swimmer, mm -hmm. the one thing we always tell to our teams is finish. Yep. Finish. Yep. So whatever your race is, you got to finish. You got to get to the wall, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we always tell our guys. Hey, finish. Whatever, whatever it is, whether it's a run whether it's, you know, working out in the morning, just finish strong, get in the habit of finishing. So that year, we, we had an okay year. Um, we get to the Big East tournament, and we realize, hey, listen, let's finish. Let's finish the job, get after it, and play really, really well. And we played extremely well in the Big East uh, tournament that year. I think at that time, I think UConn might have been in the top ten, and – we beat them twice um, to come out of our our pool, I guess, and then we 
we played St. John's in the championship and we beat St. John's to to advance to the regional. If we don't win that tournament, we don't get to that regional so, game mm -hmm. that we just talked to. Even if we come in second, we probably our our, our record at that time our um, the way our, our, our games were being played, I don't know if we had the resume to get in, but we needed to win the conference championship to get to that regional. And that was a special regional. Guys, some guys that struggled, I, I can think of a couple guys, a guy named Will Walsh, who, who was a senior that wasn't playing particularly well that year. He showed up to the Big East tournament, and he was, he was lights out, you know. And that was across the board, you know, uh, with a lot of guys. Um, you know, we rode our pitchers, you know. Mm -hmm. You talked about John Prasinski, um, you know, there, Greg Teryun. There, there's a bunch of guys, uh, Joe DiRocco. I mean, you know, George Fernandez. Uh, you can go through the whole list of guys that uh, to be remiss to, to forget anybody. Um, <laughs> but guys got after it, and they, they finished strong. So that tournament was really special. And just to give reference, like, how good, like, that team was, Senior Hall team, like, didn't, like, UConn have, like, Springer? George Springer, who's on the oh, whoa. yeah, they had George Springer, Nick Ahmed, Ahmed yeah. and then oh, they had a bunch. They, they had a lot of I like think they had six guys. guys that went on to play professional baseball. Yeah, wow. Um, and it, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a really good experience, and really excited for our players because, um, like I said, we always talk about finishing, and they didn't care what the record was, they didn't care who was across in the other dugout, they just played at a high level, and it was it was exciting to see, like you know. You talk about that as a coach and seeing guys playing, you know, raising their game, especially at that time of the year, we definitely did that. Yeah, that is for sure. And you just mentioned some pros that played for UConn. You've also gotten 35 Pirates to that professional level in MLB contracts and stuff like that. So what are some of the things that you're telling players like Jonathan Luters to, that are trying to achieve that one day possibly the, to keep pushing themselves to um, – get to their dreams and be able to play in the MLB? Yeah, no, I think a lot of the stuff that we do on a daily basis um, instills that, that work ethic. I, and a lot of it comes from the players. You know, we're just fortunate enough to, to kind of give them a formula that we help to help that bring some of that uh, skill out. Um, but we've been really fortunate. I, I feel blessed every day I come to the, the, the field to work with the guys that we do. I think it starts with the recruiting process because we know the guys that we have, we're really excited. It, you know, just imagine, you, you know, you want to go to work where you love to be with the people around mm -hmm. you. Um, and we're pretty fortunate. I, I, I'm blessed to do that. Um, and I'm, I'm really fortunate to have players that not only have success at the collegiate level, but we're fortunate enough to, to use uh, Seton Hall and college baseball to perform at a level where they can play professionally. It's really cool to see, it's from like a player perspective, like we have guys that transfer in now, and they say like the extra work's not really preached as much as it is here. And here, like the extra work's not that it's like it's mandatory, but it's almost like that's the expectation, like yeah. that you're working outside the practice hours. If you want to be really good, and Coach Giuseppe says all the time too, if you want to be the team you really want to be, like you got to put in the work for it. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a thing that's instilled. <laughs> By all the coaches, and I think that definitely makes us the team that we are, and just the hard work and kind of never losing your hustle in terms of baseball, but also in terms of everything else too. Yeah, and I know I'm in class with Danny Melnick for both my classes in grad work, and he, uh, it's uh, the weekly check-ins that he does on. I forget what yeah, they're, the what P they're P called. PDPs. The PDPs. Yeah. So like 
after class, he's like, oh, what, what you got to do? Oh, I got to do my PDP. I got to work on it. And he's like, I've yeah. never had to do this. So, so Coach Chef, kind of talk through that, like with the mindset of doing that weekly and kind of having that check-in for each individual player. Sure. So um, that's, that's Coach Papaccio's brainchild. I know we've talked about that um, in the past. We've had our freshmen do uh, progress reports academically. So mm-hmm. they would periodically give us a progress report on what they were doing in classes. So they, they had a better understanding of where they were at that point in time. Um, but what Coach Papaccio says, hey, listen, these are, these are things that allow us to better coach you. So if there's so, something that we're not training or maybe we're overtraining, having that feedback allows us to fine-tune our practices uh, according to the feedback we get. So it's mm-hmm. more of an opportunity for feedback. Um, so we get feedback from a, um, a playing standpoint, whether it's offense or defense, strength conditioning. Are we doing too much in the weight room? Is that is the workouts in the weight room, they don't work well with what we're doing on the field? Is mm-hmm. it too much? So it allows us to kind of focus a little bit more on what we want to accomplish um, as a coaching staff and as a team from a practice standpoint. And then also individually, if there's certain things that guys feel that they need to work on, and if there's enough guys, like say, say we have four or five guys say, you know what, it would be really beneficial for us to work on breaking balls, curveballs. And if we don't get that, we may not work on it. But if we get four or five guys, you know what, today we're going to, one day this week we're going to focus on just breaking balls. So having the feedback allows us to really fine-tune the workouts, one, to keep guys more involved, but also to make them more beneficial to us improving. Right, and that's like one of those things too. Like when you get past baseball, real world advice. Like you want the your bosses want that feedback mm-hmm. from you, and that's a great way to practice kind of before even doing that. And it's something that you really, really love. And I, I think that's a great piece of advice there for for you guys, especially just like what do we need to work on more? What do we need to maybe push back, lean back a little bit less mm-hmm. on, and stuff like that. Yeah, it keeps us accountable too. And I'll, I'll shout out Danny. Danny does like an awesome job with with his PDP because I know I, I do mine with him sometimes and he d- he writes out everything that he does and what he needs to do moving forward. But it keeps us like accountable. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we're do- I did this today and I did- I'm going to do this tomorrow and what I need to work on. So it's, it's a good thing for us, like inadvertently as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it helps us with communication with the coaches, but it also like helps me like, okay, like I did this today and I did- I'm going to do this tomorrow. What do I need to work on moving forward right. and how I develop as a player? So it's good. And it sets those short term goals up for yourself, too. Like, Definitely. okay, like, okay, I was missing the fastball today, maybe, or I was missing the breaking ball today. But okay, yeah. tomorrow I can, let's, let's focus on this more so sure. that I can knock it out of the park Absolutely. for the next day. So let's, let's go into your program now. So talk to us. What does a week look like here for the Seton Hall men's baseball team? So, so in the offseason, it's a little different than what we would have during the spring. Um, obviously, we're, we're not playing as much, uh, nearly as much. Um, we're not traveling. So in the fall, we're usually Monday through Friday uh, for the most part. And then when we're in our team practices, we'll utilize the weekends a little bit as well. But Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we usually use for our strength training. So we have – we broke the group up. So we have a, a pretty big team. We have 40 players. Uh-huh. So to make the workouts a little more conducive so we're not – trampling in on the other teams <laughs> like like we do in the afternoons um, we have two groups in the morning and those are usually the position players um, so we'll have a group uh, two groups early 
Some guys will obviously, most of the guys have classes between, say, 8 and 1 o'clock. And then our practices are usually 1.30 or so to 1.30, 1 o'clock to about 4 o'clock or mm-hmm. so. Um, the pitchers, their strength training's in the afternoon so that they can get their throwing in so that they're, they, they're able to uh, perform uh, what they need to do on the mound. And then they'll come in and they'll do their, li- their weight training around 3 o'clock or mm-hmm. 3.30 right after uh, swim gets their work in. <laughs> um, and then uh, in the afternoons after that, you know, some guys may have class, study hall, they eat dinner. It, it's a full day. Mm-hmm. They, you know, part of that, you know, as a student athlete like mm-hmm. you guys, I know you, uh, you know, you guys are up early in the morning getting your yards in. Uh, you may have stuff in the afternoon, mm-hmm. whether it's land work or in the weight room. Um, uh, from an employer standpoint, you know, as a coach, a lot of the times I'm I'm filling out reference letters and things like that. And one of the things that they really like about athletes is their ability to manage their time. Um, they're put in situations where they're not comfortable. Uh, they have to, you know, overcome some obstacles, whether it be, you know, getting up or failure in your sport. Um, but there's discipline in it. And employers want people that they know are going to work hard, put the time in, and be disciplined in doing it. And that's what we try to instill in our weekly workouts. So that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Tuesday, Thursday is mostly just uh, skill work. So mm-hmm. we'll have skill work from you know 12 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And we kind of break it down according to position, whether it's the outfielders, catchers, infielders, small group of hitting, pitchers are doing their work. So it's it's a little bit of a challenge um, when we're out of what we call our traditional work where we have to be in smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we try to pick our spots where we can get together um, and do some different competitions to, to keep that competitive muscle going too. Because sometimes right. when you get to parts of the fall, it can get a little bit dry. And I know we try to create opportunities where we're challenging the players. So it's not always batting practices and always just batting practice. There's something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitchers are doing something different. They're not doing the same workout on Tuesday that they're doing on Thursday. You know, it's a, it's a different uh, feel. And then we put in those team competitions to keep that competitive muscle uh, working as well. So it is a lot of time. It's a lot of ch- uh, challenging work for our guys. Um, and then, you know, when we do get our team part of the the uh, fall we get a chance to play two outside competition games so a lot of the competition that we have is mostly within our team so it's inner squads mm-hmm. um you know s- small inning games and then we do have the ability to play two outside competition games so it is a pretty long um fall you know we start in september and we go all the way up to the first week in in december so yeah it is a challenge, but the guys do a really good work, and uh, again, it's 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 uh, it's an investment in time, that's for sure. Yeah. So, what does the spring look like? Obviously, you guys are traveling a lot. So, how does that look with practices, and how does that look with like game travel and stuff like that? So, so the weekends um, are mostly full with our games. So, we usually are traveling on Thursdays. So, most of our games during the weekend our series games and we'll play a Friday a Saturday and a Sunday game and then we'll travel back on Sunday Monday's typically a day off so guys can are a little bit heavier in their academic scheduling 
So they get to class uh, full day Monday, usually a day off from us. Um, and then we may practice on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Early on in the season, we usually use the early parts of the week to practice for our games. So we'll practice, we'll have Mondays off. We'll practice Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday would be a travel day, depending on where we're going, mm -hmm. whether it's bus or, or plane. And then we'll play Friday, play Saturday, play Sunday, come back on Monday, and then it's rinse and repeat. Yeah. You know? um, then when we get a little bit further into the season, uh, we may be playing on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, so we may not be practicing as much. Early on in the season, we try to sp spread it out um, because it gives our pitchers a chance to recover. Mm -hmm. The other part, it is harder to play uh, midweek early in the season here. Yep. <laughs> um, so that's that's one of the reasons why we keep it that way. But once the weather starts to warm up, we will play. We may even play a Tuesday game, a Wednesday game, travel or practice on Thursday, and then play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. and then Monday a day off. Mm -hmm. The yeah. great thing about baseball, and I tell our guys, it seems like in the fall you practice a lot, but in the spring you just play. Yeah. Yep. You play, and that's that's what the guys love. You, you you play a game, you don't have to you know sit there and you know a week before the next one. You you probably playing the next day. Yeah, I, I joked with Coach Churchill earlier. Uh, Mike behind us is our sports director. He he schedules all the baseball games. Hey Mike, can I not get a cold weather game if possible? <laughs> hey February twenty, I think it's the twenty eighth. If that's a Tuesday, Mike. You know, put Justin on. We're playing, <laughs> we're playing Wagner at home. Well, and, and the booth, they're outside. They're not. They're not on the inside. Hey, lucky for me, I'll be at Big East. Oh, so. oh, oh, that's right. I'll yeah. be winning championships. Hopefully, right. yeah. yes. Hopefully. So, looking at recruits, whether they're a senior or a junior in high school, what are some of the things that you're looking at uh, at those levels when you're recruiting uh, for your team here? Well, obviously, I, I think the measurable part is the easiest part to evaluate. You know run, hit, and throw, how far, how hard they can throw, how how hard they hit a ball, how fast they can run. Um, what's really important to us is makeup. Um, we talked about work ethic. We talked about, you know, some of the, the, the evidence that you would have for that is how they do in class, um, talking to their, not only their club coaches, but their high school coaches, trying to get as much background information as we can. Um, and then having them visit, I think, having the ability to interact and, and get to know us. Um, I've been doing this a long time, and a lot of the people that we talk to, they have an idea of what kind of player will have success here. Um, so usually if someone gets recommended to us, um, he's kind of gone through a little bit of a, a process, selection process. Um, but we, we try to get guys that, that, that can really – um, play the game but are not finished products and know they're not finished products. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is you want to get a guy that's hungry to improve and get better. So he may be a really good player, but he knows he can work and get better. Sometimes at the high school level, you get the guy who's really good and that's he yeah. thinks he's really good and there's no room for improvement. So sure. getting a guy that understands he's not a finished product and he's willing to work and understands that we're going to help them develop. Those are the kind of guys that have a lot of success here. Yeah. And John's a really good example. Yeah. 
really good example. Johnny, I don't know if you know the story about Sunshine. I knew here. the story was going to come up. <laughs> I think so, you said, I want you to say it here now, but yeah. you told us at the senior dinner, banquet dinner last yes. year. You told the whole, it was an amazing story. So yeah. say it here now too, please. So I'll be, I'll be brief because it could get long. So I, <laughs> we have these facilities. So there's these fields um, in, in all over the country, but in New Jersey specifically, there's a place called Diamond Nation mm-hmm. and there's fields all like spread out. So one field, you got field one when you walk in, and then there's field five all in the back. Mm-hmm. So it's 8 a.m. on a yeah. Sunday. It was or, the last game, like a weekend series, something like that. Yeah, 8 a.m. And no one likes to play the 8 a.m. games, but as a coach, I love the 8 a.m. games <laughs> because for two reasons. One, it allows me to get my schedule in. I get to see some games. But as a coach, we're talking about makeup. Mm-hmm. You want to see guys who show up for the 8 a.m. games. Yeah. That's the test right there. You want to talk about mental toughness. Who shows up for the 8 a.m. 8 a.m. game on a Sunday? So I was walking to field five, but as I'm walking to field five, I have to cross past field field one. And I see this guy, and I'm watching, and I'm seeing him making plays, and I'm like, all right, pretty good. <laughs> he makes a couple plays that he's taking a ball from the third baseman. He makes a play, and then he takes a ball from the second baseman. I'm like, this guy's all over the field. So I said, let me go on the other side, and I just got to see in that batter too. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll get to field five. So then John gets up, and he has a pretty good at-bat. I forget what you did with your at-bat. Um, and then you go back and play defense. And I'm standing there watching the game, and a parent comes up to me, and the parent is a, is a woman, and she's taking photos. And she goes, oh, you're here to see sunshine. And I don't. I have no idea what I don't know that I just know the two names of the teams just because of what's on their shirt. Mm-hmm. I don't have their rosters. I'm just kind of trying to figure out who's who. And I said, uh, yeah, I'm just t- taking the game. I don't really know who Sunshine is. She goes, oh, Sunshine's the shortstop. That's Jonathan. I said, oh, OK, he's, yeah, he's a pretty good player. She goes and she starts saying, yeah, he's really good. He, he, he plays the game hard. Um, and she goes, you know why they call him Sunshine? And I'm like, I'm not asking any questions. (laughs) I'm just watching the game. And I said, no. I said, you know, she goes, well, a lot of people think it's because of his his blonde hair. He's got blonde hair. Mm -hmm. He goes, you know why he's sunshine? Because he brightens everybody's day. Mm -hmm. So and I said, that's pretty good. She go, and this is, and then she to 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 kind of qualify it even more. She goes, and I'm just to make sure I'm not his mom. (laughs) She goes, I wish I was, but I'm not his mom. The, my son plays, you know, center field or something like that. So just the, her kind of validating the character of the player and mm-hmm. how he shows up and the energy he had and the effect that he had on not only his teammates, but the other people. Yeah. That's the kind of guy we're looking at. Like we talked about positive influence. That's positive influence. Give a shout out to Mrs. Lewandowski. That was the, the mom that told that story. And it was <laughs> it was funny hearing that. And I think that's it's a cool story to look back. And I'm humbled by it because, I mean, I just love playing it. And I still do. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. And the fact that you were just, it was right time, right, right place, right time. That's how mm-hmm. it worked. And people ask me all the time, like, how do you get recruited? Like, would you what camps you go to about this? I'm like, I really got really lucky. I was just playing an 8 a.m. Game, game and a Seton Hall head coach saw me. It's only play, and that's kind of how it worked out from there. So each recruiting story is different, but yeah. I got super, super lucky with mine. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for that. Appreciate well, for, it. For both you, you, both you athletes, I'm sure you show it in the way you swim. You know, you, mm-hmm. if you love it, people can tell. Yeah, and that you is can for sure. Tell. Especially, especially when you get to the college level, you're you're up at six o'clock in the morning, three days a week, and 
Like yeah. especially like I love it. I love it still, yeah. and I and I it's gonna be sad when that time has come in the end of this year when it's it's over, it's done. So um, not looking forward to that moment, but I, I definitely uh, appreciate every moment I get to do it. That's great. I know this is kind of transitioning over a little bit. I want to touch upon this, and we already touched upon it a little bit with the Seton Hall baseball program. We're getting recruits and people recognize that this program is different than other baseball programs across the across the country and uh, I wanted to ask you like what what makes what do you think makes the Seton Hall program different from any other baseball program out there um, that can be anything from the alumni we have the way we go about our business what is that for uh, in your opinion I, th- I think a lot of it is the alumni I really do I, I think we have a tradition that not many programs have uh, the number of guys that have gone on and had uh, played professionally, had professional careers, not just getting signed, but having careers, um, whether it be in baseball as a player, but also as a, you know, we have a GM in Dana Brown, we have front office, we talked about John mm-hmm. Morris, and there's a lot of guys that are doing that. Um, but the other part is the university itself. I think the university itself kind of leads, lends to the program. Um, when we talk about recruiting guys, it's not necessarily, you know, the gigantic campus. It's the attention you're going to get. You're going to get people that really care about your development, whether it be on the baseball field as a coach. Uh, we tell our guys we're going to really work hard in helping them develop, but also, you know, the care that they get in the training room, um, the care that they get from people on campus, Matt Geibel and his staff. Mm-hmm. There's not many schools that have Matt Geibel's. Um, right. You know, he's a guy that you should have on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's 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 the truth. You know, when you when we talk to alum and they come back, it's the camaraderie that they have not only with their teammates but other students on campus. It's the care that they get from people that work uh, within the university, and in our case specifically, um, athletics. You know, Tony Testa, the Angelo Gingerellis, the, the Matt Geibels, you know, the, the you know Mary Laverty's. You know, you can right. you can go mm-hmm. through the whole list, um, but it ultimately will come down to the success of the program, and that a lot of that has to do with with the you know being fortunate enough to have alumni, and and it's the law of attraction. You know, yeah. you have a really good team, you got really good players. Well, part of the reason why we have that is because of what we had before. And it just keeps on kind of, like I said, we want to be the caretaker of the program. We just want to keep that tradition moving and, and, and improving on it. Um, and we're really fortunate to have the, the guys that have been through the program. And we're really fortunate to have the guys that are in the program. Yeah, that is for sure. Great answer to that. So we're going to start wrapping up with our last two segments here. First things first, advice to a pirate. So. What advice would you give to a student athlete that had a bad game on the court, in the pool, on the field, that's looking to make a bounce back? Yeah, I, I always tell our guys to be where your feet are. You know, um, you're you're going to have to have some resiliency. You're you're going to need to obviously. There's going to be some disappointment when you don't play to your expectations, or if you lose or you fail. Um, but you have to have the ability to bounce back, and that's something that you're going to learn and need. In life, not everything's going to go your way. You have to so, show some resiliency so that when you're given the next opportunity, you're ready for it and you're prepared for it. If you hang your head and you're still upset about something outside your control, you're not going to be able to control your performance moving forward. 
Um, yeah, you know. no, and I think you talk about how you apply a lot of the, the lessons we have in baseball like to life, and I think I appreciate that, and I think the guys appreciate it too, that it's not just about baseball, it's, it's just it's bigger than that, and that Correct. all these mm-hmm. lessons can be applied to that, so, yeah. Yeah, sure. amazing. So as we get ready for this last segment, I hope you're ready. It's called Walk the Plank. If these are faster-paced faster, <laughs> faster paced questions here, uh, but if you have an explanation to any of your answers, please, please feel free to... Um, explain your answer. So, favorite right. music to listen to? I'm very eclectic. So, I listen to, uh, I, I can't, I, can't uh, uh, I guess, hard rock. Hard rock. Here we okay. go. Very appropriate. Go. I yeah. like it. Favorite dugout snack? <sighs> Sour Patch Kids. Really? Interesting. Not No seeds, no gum, mm. no Sour Patch <laughs> Kids. Okay. Favorite memory when, when you were here as a player at Seton Hall? Oof. You can go baseball uh, or non-baseball. So I, I would say baseball. Um, when I was here, we had a almost perfect game um, when uh, uh, Jeff Denuso mm-hmm. threw a um, like a I, I'm going to call it a perfect game. Jeff Denuso threw a perfect game against UConn um, here on, on campus. That was a very memorable uh, game for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Uh, favorite Major League Baseball player growing up. Carlton Fisk. Pudge nice. Fisk. Okay. That's nice. a good one. Red there Sox. we go. None of that. Get out of here. Biggest mentor that you had over your coaching career? My dad. Yeah. Okay. Last one for me. Describe your coaching style in one word. Passionate. Mm-hmm. Why passionate? Because I, I really care about what I do. I'm, I'm, I, I genuinely feel uh, fortunate to have the ability to do what I do. Um, but I, th- I think guys realize I- I'm, I can't ask them to do something I wouldn't. So I'm here with them all the time. Yeah, and I think you said I forget what year it was, but you're saying like this doesn't even feel like my job because I love this so much doing yeah. that. And I know like for me personally, like, that's something that I whenever I after baseball or whatever it is like I want to feel like mm-hmm. that whatever I do because I see the passion in you and other coaches and it's it's really cool and I want that same feeling for myself. So. Like, my dad, when I was growing up, he would never say he was going to work. He would say he's going to school, and he would say, like my mom would say, "Shep, you're going to where are you going to work?" And he goes, "No, I'm going. To, I'm going to school. I'll be back, you know, and all that stuff." And then when you asked, uh, as I got older, I would ask my dad. He goes, "He he never called it work because it was a labor of love. That's the way he said it. It was a labor of love. I never called it work because it was a labor of love." So, Amazing. That's really cool. I haven't heard that one before. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that that'll do it for me. Yeah. Do you? Have, Coach Shep, do you have anything else to add before we wrap up here? No, I appreciate what you guys, uh, the opportunity to speak with you guys. You do a a tremendous job. Uh, It's a well-oiled machine up here. Yeah, (laughs) shout out to Mike Feds back there. Mike Fed, who's sticking with us today and and tomorrow, uh, making sure everything runs smoothly back there and does a lot of the stuff behind the scenes, so we can't thank him enough. Yeah, and so Coach Shep, thank you for coming on. I know we're wrapping up the semester and all that. It's more of a busy time, but Mm -hmm. thank you for making the time. And uh, really excited for a really good spring season. So, we yeah, are too. Right. I'm excited yeah. for it to being behind the scenes covering it for you guys. So, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Coaching Carousel. We'll see you next time.